Gates Mueller report. But there Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD, problem solving with the right technology. Uh, we've got a, uh, a spectacular guest with you, with us today in our uh, studio. Uh, goes by the name of Kendall. We'll talk to her a little bit more in a minute, um, uh, and we'll get into the details of the content tonight. But real quickly, we need to just run through a few announcements. First, the 2019 Annual International Conference on ADHD is scheduled and ready to go. It's November the 7th through the 9th in the year 2019 in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm pretty excited. I'll be presenting a workshop on working memory, uh, which actually we'll be talking a little bit about that tonight. So we're not going to get into the presentation, but we'll talk about the important role working memory has and uh, the notion of that presentation in uh, Philadelphia is to, it's a little bit of a workshop to kind of help you kind of work your way through things a little bit. Um, it's on the eve or the crust of the uh, Succeed with ADHD Telesummit. Uh, to learn more about that event, go to... Uh, Succeed with ADHD Telesummit forward slash ATR. Uh, that's an online virtual summit that's coming on, starts the 15th. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm also was, was gifted enough, really, to, to thank Lori DePar for bringing me on to talk in that one as well. Um, tonight's show is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in celebration of that event. Uh, we're offering uh, you two free digital copies of Attention Magazine. All you have to do is listen to our show today. We'll be giving out a secret word. Uh, and listen to another show uh, that has been aired in the last two years, and you'll hear a secret word. Just write those two words down on an email and send it to me at attention at attentiontalkradio.com. Again, that's attention at attentiontalkradio.com. And when I get that, we'll send you a PDF copy of the current issue of Attention Magazine, and we'll forward you um, the next one that's supposed to be in print. Um, as I mentioned, our show is being brought to you tonight by Chad. Uh, we're going to roll a little tip and we'll get into the show. So here we go. Research shows that physical activity and movement help increase attention, decision-making, and learning. With physical activity, executive function performance improves in as little as 20 minutes, and ADHD symptoms can reduce in intensity after as little as 30 minutes of exercise. Find what works for you. To learn more about ADHD and exercise, visit chad.org. Thanks again, Chad, for your continued support of Attention Talk Radio. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. They're the ones that are lobbying on Capitol Hill and different regulatory agencies to make sure that uh, we get a a good shake and a fair deal um, and uh, very, very instrumental in helping uh, the, the ADHD community get resources that it needs and accommodations to help those with ADHD thrive. Um, we encourage our listeners to donate to Chad or become a member. Um, if you do become a member, there's a lot of great member benefits, attention magazine, discounts to uh, conferences. Um, there's actually discount drug cards. There's all kinds of things online. But the, uh, the real reason to join is to support that organization because a strong uh, Chad is a strong ADHD community. So with that, uh, you can learn more by going to chadd.org uh, to sign up or, or make a donation. Okay, let's get into tonight's show. A lot of people out there are struggling with ADHD, and 
Uh, as a coach over the years, there's lots of books, there's lots of tactical strategies that people do, but I find often that those with ADHD are swimming or drowning in a sea of strategies. They've got all kinds of stuff and uh, not a lot of it works. And I've learned over the years that uh, through the coaching paradigm is that um, really you got to meet each individual where they are. And uh, Kendall with us today on the show is an individual that I've been working with for a period of time, and we're really kind of focusing on the drivers of ADHD, self-regulation and working memory challenges. And over a period of time, really trying to work with her to kind of shift her mindset. And uh, I talk about my, um, attention uh, exercises that I use to kind of help put people in the experience so they can witness things like what working memory is and what it is to self-regulate. I can say those words, but uh, ADHD normal is ADHD normal. You don't have anything to compare it to. So I use those uh, attention exercises to have people experience the plight of ADHD so they have something to compare it to. And um, through our work with uh, Carrie, I mean, she's actually come up with some really kind of clever things. So uh, let's get into the show. So real quickly, uh, Kendall, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, today's really kind of fun. So, Kendall, we, we've, you and I have talked about uh, one of the big issues for you with ADHD is working memory, the ability to juggle and hold thoughts. Did you really, really understand it or think about it or realize the role it played in your life, but more importantly, what works before we started working together? No, definitely not. When I was um, diagnosed at, I think I was sophomore in high school. I took nine hours of cognitive ability testing through a developmental neuropsychologist and showed my all my cognitive abilities with stuff-related working memory, being completely deficient. But no one ever sat down with me to explain what that meant, whereas other abilities of mine were all over the place, including in superior range. So no one ever explained to me what each of those abilities were. So... And I always did well, so I never understood the role. And they told me as I got older, it would have an impact, and it was all negative focus, but it didn't make sense. No one ever sat down with me. So as I entered adulthood and I started noticing all the things I couldn't do compared to everyone else that were supposed to be common sense things and how overwhelming they were for me and ending up in mental paralysis, it just, everything got yep. very confusing. And, and here, here's what's really cool is... I forget exactly what you said. You did very well in some things, but the cool thing is you know that you're smart. I mean, you're a bright person. It's just sometimes you've had challenging accomplishing things that other people have an expectation that you could do or they have an expectation you can do it a certain way. Is that accurate or or you want to reframe yeah. that for me? No, that's, I'd say that's very accurate. And I think the most confusing part is that when I do things, either do things that other people can't do really well that no one can explain how I do them because I don't do them the normal way. So if I got 4.0 in college, I never opened up a book to study. I didn't hear things in class, but I got A's or started a nonprofit. And so people either think I'm highly intelligent and are mind-blown that I'm very bright, but they can't explain it, so they're confused. Or when I enter adulthood, start taking jobs, I have managers think I have a, ask me if I have, like, a cognitive disability and – People constantly asking if I have a cognitive disability and saying, oh, ADHD is definitely not your problem. There's something wrong with you. Yep, and it yep. was very confusing going from one end to the other, back and forth. It, it's, it's interesting. For our listeners out there, uh, uh, Kendall, we did an interview, God, I think two or three years ago with uh, Dr. Thomas Brown. At the time, he was at Yale. Now he's at UCLA, and he did a lot of work uh, with people with ADHD and high IQ. And it was an interesting – 
it was an interesting show because as Heath described, ADHD and IQ have nothing to do they have nothing to do with each other. If there's two percent of the general population that are Mensa, there's two percent of the ADD population that are Mensa. The problem is, is the intelligence creates these expectations, and those with ADHD struggle to do what they know to do, or they struggle to do it the way society does it. And so it's actually a little bit of a curse because you're there's more pressure on you to perform because there's higher expectations. And I'm hearing a little bit of that in your voice. Uh, is that accurate, or am I? I don't. I don't put words in, so I want to. Is that? Is that you? Can you relate yeah. to that? I would say that's probably one of the biggest struggles I have is the huge gap between what I've been able to do and the everyday things I can't do and everyone having a completely different perspective of how smart I am from being special needs. I've had teachers that really laugh in my face, think I should be in special needs classes, and other teachers telling me I'm the most intelligent student they've had. And just never knowing – I almost – my, it confuses your identity. It confuses yep. your entire so, life. <laughs> let's, let's, yeah, so let's have some fun. R- real quickly, everybody out there, working memory, uh, a lot of things that I do with my people that I'm working with, and I did this with uh, Kendall, is I say five words out loud relatively slowly, and I ask the individual to repeat them back to me in alphabetical order. And in doing that, what I'm really trying to emphasize is not the exercise but the process, is you've got to hold these mo- these words that are words that you know. They're not – you're not learning anything, and you know the alphabetical order. And about half the time, people with ADHD either forget one of those words or they get the order wrong. And then I kind of explain how you've got to hold those words in your mind and you've got to manipulate them or sequence them or organize them, whatever word that you want to use without forgetting them and repeating them. And then I say that's the process of working memory is juggling the words in your mind and, and then getting them out. And the idea here really is is, is Kendall's got a very tax working memory. And so when we first started working together, you know, we began to identify that really, really early on. And it was fun because unlike maybe the tactical type stuff that you read in the book where people tell you how to go get organized, you know, Kendall, we just basically observed your world and said, Hmm, I wonder how I'm organized because I think that you were compensating for the working memory challenges. And I'm going to tip it off. Can you tell everybody about your makeup story? Yeah, so one of the first, um, I guess after our discovery session or one of the first sessions, you gave me a homework assignment saying find five systems of organization you already have that might not look organized to someone else, but just clusters of things in an area. So I kind of went to my car because my car is one of the areas that no matter how hard I try, it's always a mess, and I clean it out, and it's a mess, and I'm always trying to change the behavior without actually seeing what's in the car. And I was able to identify the five things in my car with one of them being my makeup and realizing my makeup's in my car because I have, I'm completely timeline. So I'm always late places. I'm always running late. So I grab my makeup, throw it in the car with myself, get to a place. I don't know how much time I'm going to have to get ready. So when I get to wherever I have to be, I quickly put my makeup on. So my makeup's always over my car. So instead of, Time change behavior, I found um, little containers I Velcroed to the side of my, like, cup holder center console where I put my makeup in. So now wherever I go, my makeup's right there, and I'm relaxed. I don't have to go searching for it. And <laughs> so, so, everybody, this is really funny is because when I'm working with people with ADHD, the ones that say they're disorganized, they say, oh, no, no, you are organized. It just doesn't look like what you think it should. And so what I've learned over the years 
uh, Kendall, is that, you know, organization is can you find it when you need it? It's, if it's ugly, like if it's a mess, it doesn't really matter. If you can find it, then it's organized no matter what it looks like. And this story is we, I think you discovered, we talked about, you know, all your makeup was in your car because that's actually where you used it. You knew where it was. It just didn't look very pretty. And in the moment that you said, wait a second, I've actually got this, and you begin to give things its home in your car, all of a sudden, not only did you realize that you had an organizational system that was working flawlessly, I might add, we just kind of prettied it up a little bit and said, wow, I did something right. It's, I mean, that's my perspective. I, don't, does that, I mean, would you agree that it was as simple as that once we shifted your mindset to say, I'm actually organized? Yeah, and it's honestly incentive for me to, as I was saying earlier, it's incentive now I'm getting to work earlier because I'm like, oh, I get to work and do my makeup. It's not me trying to kind of push against that and be like, no, trying to do your makeup in the house. No, I'm running late and running back and forth trying to debate what to do. Now it's, I'm going with my natural. Yep. And one of the things that's cool is I, there's an interview I did with Dr. Russell Barkley on working memory. If anybody wants to listen to it, just Google Attention Talk Radio and GPS. We talk a lot about stuff there. But one of the things that we talk about is point of performance. And the cool thing about your structure that you naturally came up with, Kendall, is your makeup is at point of performance because that's actually where you typically put it on. Now, some people could argue maybe you should do it on the bathroom and some other things, but the reality of it is that's your behavior, and in a parking lot, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. So it's really interesting how we start to take a look at this and say instinctively you, you, you went to a thing that would work for you, and we start talking about the smart guys telling us what the theory is. It makes all the sense of the world. The makeup is in one location, point of performance. You know where it is which is the definition of what, like, Dr. Barkley and other experts say, that's what we're supposed to do with them. So it's, it's really kind of fun just through self-observation by acknowledging that you're working memories tax and say, how have you managed that? So I want to go to a break real quick, but before we do, any last thoughts on that, on that piece of it before we move on? Um, not that I think of off the top of my head. I think we covered. All right. So here, we'll, we'll run to a break. Everyone, our secret word tonight is the word right, R-I-G-H-T. Our secret word is right, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Do they act out in school? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be her greatest ally. Get your parenting questions answered live the first Monday of every month in a Facebook chat with former Attention Talk Radio host Caroline McGuire. She's the author of the upcoming book, Why Will No One Play With Me? Go to www.carolinemaguireauthor.com to learn more. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. 
Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by DigCoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Kendall, and we're having a great conversation about problem-solving with ADHD, talking about using the right technology. And, and for me, that's really understanding the why you do what you do. Um, so often, ADHD is really a self-regulation issue with a working memory deficit. And with Kendall, we've been talking about the real challenges that she has um, with, with working memory what we've learned is the less taxing it is on her working memory, the easier it is for her to self-regulate. And so we've been really addressing some of that stuff. And, um, Kendall, one of the things that was kind of fun in our work together is you, you, you took a, a cell phone. We did Skype a couple times, and you showed me around the room. And your organizational system was interesting because just everything was kind of on the floor. Uh, you want to talk to our our listeners about that a little bit, and then I want to then we'll kind of talk about how we just started observing what was there, and then realizing that you have to have visual reminders out because if they're put away, it's out of sight, out of mind. So you it's too taxing to your working memory to have it hidden. You actually have it out, but it's a little bit of a overwhelming if there's too much out. So we'll talk about the just kind of tell our our listeners a little bit about your room kind of before we got started and. and the seemingly chaos that was there. Um, well, I actually have a kind of funny story from high school that's related to that. So because I, like you said, I, as I'm realizing that I'm very, a very sensitive to visual stimuli, but also because my working memory is so taxed, I need everything visual. Otherwise, it's, everything's out of sight, out of mind. So in high school, I used to have a system where, I left my homework compu- like for school next to the computer in our den. I'd go on my way out. I'd be running late. I'd go look. If there's nothing on the computer, in my mind, I had no homework, brought nothing to school with me. My mom, who is very OCD, did not like the mess by the computer and did not want to wait until I left for school. So she would move the, pa- the stack of papers from the computer a foot and a half away onto the couch. i go in, nothing by the computer. I don't, I'm not going to think to look at the couch that's not even a foot and a half away. I see nothing on the computer. I go to school. I get zero after zero after zero because in my mind, I had no homework. Meanwhile, it was literally right next to it, but it was just out of sight, out of mind, not where I, out of habit, no visual cue. So mm-hmm. my room, everything is kind of based off that. So growing up, so my room, everything is completely always on the floor. When I come into the house, we talked about this, how since I was little, it's always been first counter I see. As soon as I walk in, I drop everything right there, which we understood is my way of, when I'm walking out the door, what's there? It's my way of remembering or things that don't have a home. Oh, it's probably by by the door, easy way to remember things. So I kind of have a trail of a mess that drives people crazy. (laughs) So... So it's funny that, that that the more you describe this, the more we're starting to see seeds in an organizational system. But I think the trucks really is it drives everybody else crazy because they have a different style. Yeah. <laughs> to them, it's just a mess that's blown up everywhere. Yeah. To me, so, it makes sense. <laughs> 
it, it does make sense, and some of it was really kind of working for you. But again, there's a little bit of a mess that's there. So when we started working together, there was a you did a lot of studying on the floor, and there was things. And a lot of times, you would just take stuff and push it to the sides whenever you had something new, which is a bit of a challenge because we didn't know that there was kind of some organization on the floor. I mean, it wasn't just chaos. Certain things were on like one side as opposed to the other side, and there was some rhyme or reason. But when you just pushed everything to the side. It got all commingled, which meant a lot of work to go back and set things back up. So we've talked about something called rebooting. Everybody, that's that's kind of setting everything up. And when your mind's got to think about something, it takes time to, to get everything together. We call that rebooting, which is working memory. And it's a lot of work, and you won't do it. But as we started to recognize some of the organization in the room and some obstacles, like something as big as a big bouncy ball that you would sit on that was in the way of your closet that would get out of your way. We started like taking what was there and just organizing it in the places that it was so that you could see it and get to it. And as time went on, things actually kind of, they were already organized, but we began to get a sense of it and you were able to better do it. You just want to tell us about that experience, kind of what you learned? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that as we were talking about this and, like, I was showing you my room and you kept asking why questions, you kept pointing at things and saying, why is that there? Why is this there? And getting me a think, and I started, like you said, noticing, I mean, everything's always on my floor. Even, like you said, when I study, it's always been I have to have a big space where I could just have everything out and sit on the floor, and I never understood why. I didn't realize that's because I need the visual cues. But having everything on the floor is overwhelming because, again, the rebooting and having to find things that waste time, that I'm late, and it's all these issues. And so when I, you said, like you said, when I push things primary, the biggest, I think, indicator is that I need – it's overwhelming. I need, like, my floor clean. I need everything clean, but I like to have things around the perimeter because they're easy to find. And I think with my closet was the first thing we tackled – and yep. I've never been able to put laundry away. I've never been able, quote, I've piled the clean clothes, piled the dirty clothes, just can never hang things up, can never fold things. And like you said, I had a giant ball in my closet, exercise ball. I had a giant laundry bin, deterrence that made it even more difficult to get in my closet. And when we were talking about this and I was putting all this together, I realized I got little um, bins that I put around the perimeter of my closet. I took I got rid of the laundry bin. I just have a hanging bag now. I got rid of the ball. I got rid of pretty much everything in my closet. I only hang up a few things that I don't really use, like three things. I only fold sweatshirts and sweatpants. I don't really need in Florida. And then around the perimeter, I just have in the bins organized by, like, shirts and pants on one side and the other. I roll my clothes so it's even more efficient. And I could sit on the floor and do it. And I walk in. Now my clothes are always away. They're never on the floor. Everything is very calming. <laughs> yep, yep. So I'm going to convert some of this a little bit because I've been talking so much about mindset and realize, setting your mind up to think that your working memory is taxed, and you ended up getting a lot of what sounded very tactical. And I'm going to exaggerate this a little bit, everybody, just so you can understand it. It's almost like she would walk in, and it, there was a, always a laundry basket and this big ball that obstructed her ability to get into the closet. It's too much work to move that. That's a self-regulation issue. So she'd take her clothes off kind of in that general vicinity. When we began to realize that the clothes were on that side of the room, we said, well, wait a second. What's obstructing her is the laundry basket and the ball. We got rid of that stuff out. And then she would actually make it into her closet. And so 
that's where that stuff happened. Now, the clothes were not on the opposite side of the room. They were towards the closet area because that's where she would head. Again, I'm simplifying this. So that we began to watch that a little bit and said, hmm, what if we just got rid of these obstacles and made it easier for her to get in to do that stuff? And we began to take a look at the systems and the baskets that were already working for her and said, hey, that's work. That's working. Let's just expand upon that. And, you know, Kendall, I remember I I loved how you said I would say, well, why is that there? Why is that there? You actually had a desk next to you. And I said, well, why is that there? What was going on? And there was another thing. And I'm like, why are things on top of that? And you were talking about getting rid of the disc, and I said, well, if you did that, well, where would that stuff go? Because it's at home, and it was funny because it's kind of transformed your thinking from it's not really a desk, and those aren't those things. That's just where they go because I can easily see them, which goes back to the working memory. And then you've built upon that, saying that's what was working, and I just need more of it. So, again, would you say that that's accurate is that we we followed your working memory and those patterns and found little things that we removed and those those things that sound like tactical tips that a lot of people want um, really kind of revealed themselves to you because we would have never figured most of that stuff out if we read a book. Is that Do you think that's accurate? Yeah, that's definitely accurate. And funny because the desk, when you were pointing out, and I think you had asked me, well, why haven't you gotten rid of it? And I said, well, where would the stuff go? And you're like, well, that's not a desk. That's where you keep your stuff. I end up <laughs> I don't even use those desks, so I moved it to my bed, and now it's a functional nightstand where everything has a spot underneath or my papers that are filed away, so that's more underwhelming, and it's kind of just a functional. I have my charger, so I can always find it. I have my headphones for our Skype sessions. So I don't have to look for those anymore. Everything's just there. <laughs> absolutely, no absolutely. <laughs> I tell you what, everybody, let's go to another break real quick, and we'll come back and we'll continue our conversation to help give you an idea what this looks like. Again, our secret word tonight is the word right, R-I-G-H-T. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The TimeTimer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, TimeTimer's bright red disc disappears. Visit TimeTimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more how an edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Kendall, and we're having a conversation about problem-solving for ADHD uh, challenges by using the right technology. And uh, by technology, what I mean is uh, 
We use attention exercises a lot of times to help people begin to witness what's going on inside their head, and then we problem solve for it. And one of the coolest things, um, I, I believe it was you, Kendall, forgive me if I was wrong, is uh, remember we talked about chanting at work? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hold on. So hold on for a second. So when you begin to change your mind and you set it up to think for uh, working memory deficits, all of a sudden you start to see things and things happen that you didn't necessarily recognize before. And then you begin to understand that you're doing them and why that happens. And if I remember correctly, is that you begin to realize at work, if somebody said something and you didn't have anywhere to write it down, you knew that it would evaporate. So you would repeat that um, to yourself over and over and over until you got to a spot in time where you could write it down or actually get it. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, well, um, I'm a server, so obviously people ask for a lot of requests, like little things rather than taking orders when they're like, can I have a napkin? Can I have an extra plate? Little things that should be easy. Oh, you go back, grab it. For me, out of sight, out of mind, can't hold on to things. So for a long time, people ask for things. I go back. And I go back and forth maybe 10 times. As soon as I see the person, the visual cue, I remember what they asked for, and I have to go back and grab it, and I'll do that a million times. And then as we're working together, I'm trying to, like, figure this out because I'm, like, it's an issue as a server and at a high-volume place. I started, when guests started asking me for little things, I found myself starting to just kind of chant and say in my head, out loud, not in my head, <laughs> over and over again, like, water, water, water. So then when I go back, I kind of go through the motions of, like, what was I just saying, more like muscle memory versus working memory. And I'd be like, what was I just saying? What was I just saying? And then it would come back to me, and I'd say, I'd be like, oh, water. And I'd be able, and I start being able to be more efficient with my trips. I'm actually finding myself not having to run back and forth as often and having a lot more, actually, free time as a server. <laughs> Is nice. So it, that's, yeah, that's interesting. You could read that in a book somewhere and would work for some people, but not for other people. But at the end of the day, we know your working memory is challenging and are taxed at this point in time. And you began to do that and, and recognize it. And again, um, that's very, very helpful for you. But you also leading up to that, you got, uh, I think some type of, we're, I'm going to call it a server belt. So it was like this thing that you started carrying stuff around with you so that it was available. So you had stuff to do that stuff with that is a, it makes a lot of sense once we are solving for the working memory challenge. In the absence of that, it didn't really make a lot of sense. You didn't necessarily know why. I just want to just touch on that a little bit. Um, um, I think you had a belt where you had, like, your order form, the pens and stuff that were around or that you would have that when you were serving, that you carried more stuff with you at, to the table so that you could manage taking orders and doing different things. Um. I bought a book organizer off Amazon that has, like, a bunch of extra pockets. It's not just, like, the check presenter most people use. Okay. I actually spent money on, and that might be what you're referring to. Um, Could be. And that does help a lot. There's a lot of different, like, spots and pockets. There's places for me to put the money in the past when I would use just a little check presenter to be organized like other people do. I'd have money falling all over the place. I would lose these, like, sign like checks and so the organizer that I bought that has I think like 14 pockets it has a zippered pocket all this stuff I have I managed to organize that so I have an area for now I have like extra staples in a little bag in one of the pockets and I have my money that goes underneath that's secured and then I have an area where I have all my signed copies of receipts and I have 
you know, I work at Disney, so we have, like, Disney dining plans and extra things you have to keep on top of, and I have, like, thoughts for all of those, so I'm actually don't have to rely on my memory as much or rely on my organization skills. It's all kind of habit, and it's all visual. It's all thoughts that are open, so that helps. Yeah, so for everybody, so it sounds like she's putting those things away, but, again, she's carrying the structure around with her, and it's got those locations that she's put it to, and it's a visual reminder to look there. So she didn't necessarily have to think. The visual clues are there. I got to look here. I got to look there within the organizer. Sorry, real quick. I was also going to say one of the things I think early on when we were working together and I was really starting to notice how much I really rely on visual cues. I think I texted you during one of my shifts and I was like, wow, something just finally made sense. Like I look super chaotic, disorganized because when I have someone hand me like, someone's going to pay and I have like a check presenter with a credit card in it. And I have check presenters that have to close out. I have them all on my tray. Instead of having drinks and stuff, I have five check presenters on my tray. And to other people, I look probably crazy who has check presenters on their tray. You put it in your apron. And I texted one that I was like, Oh, I get it now. If I put them in my apron, I won't remember to pay, like swipe their card. I keep it on the tray. So I remember to go back. Oh, there's a check presenter. Let me cash them out. And then I keep it on my tray. Oh, let me return the book to them. If I put it in my apron and it's away, then so that's another huge like visual cue that I realized. I, 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 love what you, I love what you just said. Now, I want to bring something else up here. Uh, Kendall, I think you've done a great job of sharing some things um, that, that are really working for you that some people might not necessarily, they might look at you as a little bit strange. For you, what I'm sensing is the success that you're having with this is very much because you're performing now and it's taking the pressure off and it's giving you a lot of emphasis of, hey, this is who I am. I'm just going to do it this way because it's, I'm, I'm getting things done. I'm, I'm kind of confident. There's some other people out there who might not want to do that because they're more, they're judging themselves on how other people might judge them. Any advice for anybody out there like that? Because what what sometimes I think happens is we figure out what works like 100% of the time, but it just doesn't look like everybody else. So people resist it a little bit, and they don't perform as well. Now, you're sharing a situation where maybe people like say that's a little bit different, but you're able to do it because you're feeling a performance. Just you want to talk to the people out there that are feeling kind of like anxiety about maybe doing some of these things that help but are not normal? Um, I will say, so I'm grateful my, um, my dad has equally as taxed of a working memory. Obviously it's genetic. Um, he's just as ADHD. He never, you know, his generation, he never got interventions. He barely got through school, but he started businesses super successful. If you talk to him, you're like, how is he this successful? But he's very successful, very taxed working memory. He's loses well every other day, you know? So he, He's got a great sense of humor. Growing up, he always instilled that in me, always trying to remain optimistic, positive, have a sense of humor. Everything works out. Nothing is that big of a deal, you know. Um, just always, he, he's the one who taught me, you know, interpersonal skills and understanding people and just perspective on life. Mm-hmm. And I think that having such a tax-working memory, I'm always, you know, the butt of the joke everywhere I go in, you know, good humor, people since I was little. I'm very entertaining to watch to others. People just love watching me <laughs> and laughing, and I'm just entertainment wherever I go. To me, when I didn't have the awareness, it was very confusing. But like I said, my dad always reminded 
put those messages in my head. And I guess it's just as long as you can make a joke and try and keep up with the humor, it kind of eases a lot of it. Um, And that's what I always try to keep in mind is to just laugh and make jokes. The only other, I mentioned this to you, now that I am seeing so much progress and improvement, one of the problems that I'm kind of having now is as people, you know, any little thing I do that's still reflection of my ADHD or working memory, I'm still kind of the butt of joke and it gets kind of exasperated, but no one sees the progress. So we've talked about how finding myself now for the first time having moments where I'm feeling a little defensive almost and having to remind myself that to keep kind of laughing and maintain that sense of humor the best that I can, knowing that, you know, as I make more progress, others will catch up. But I'm really, really, really glad that you brought that up because um, people are dragging the past into the present. Like you're, you're, you're performing differently and better, but they're still dealing with the past memory of some things. So if anything goes wrong, it goes back to all their, their catastrophizing, if you will. And um, we, I did an inter- I've done a couple interviews with Rick Green from Totally ADD, who everybody, he's a, he's a, a comedian by, by trade. He writes skit comedy. And we talked a lot about humor and how you, if, when, when people, when you're doing some of these things, you can either get really defensive and really whatever, which kind of makes it, or you can just kind of accept it and kind of play with it a little bit. And humor often can be very much of a shield for some of that stuff. And I'm hearing uh, that that's working a little bit for you. But at the end of the day, too, there's a little bit of just constant reminding of focusing on what's working and what's going right. Um, to overcome some of those things. Listen, I'm performing better. I'm getting better results. You know, I, I, can, I can stick with this. And I, I've said this before, and I say it again. Usually when I'm working with people, right at the end, we're, we're wrapping things up, and I always say, remember, it's convenient for society if you do it their way. And I say that mm-hmm. because if you do it their way, it's less work for them. So you're always going to be bullied to do it somebody else's way because they don't want to really do the work, and it's important um, to think about that sometimes and say, listen, I could do it that way and I'm not going to perform or I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to perform and just kind of remember that. And so it's not easy, but um, the cool part about this is you're finding what's really working for you and it goes back to let's just fundamentally understand uh, working memory is a bit of a challenge and let's solve for that problem individually with you by looking at your existing organizational strategies, not trying to change it, which I'm putting words in your mouth. My sense is before we started working together, you tried all those strategies and they just didn't work, maybe because they worked against your working memory. But it's so much easier to problem solve than expect somebody to solve it. Thoughts yeah, on that? and off of that, I would say um, a few things. Um, oh, I actually just forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, I was going to say, so growing up, I was able to somehow overcompensate for a lot of, my tax working memory, even though it's still about jokes and whatever, I was able to overcompensate pretty far. It really started to hit towards the end of college as I entered adulthood and living on my own and not knowing how to do the most basic things. And throughout that, as the pressure also, like you said, from society and trying to conform, without being able to explain how I succeeded in the past or the why behind what I was doing and the pressure conform, it pushed me into just mentally paralyzing, staring at walls for hours on end, unable to start anything, unable to do anything, unable and working with you and understanding why it helped kind of break that. Now I'm trying to figure it out and 
like you said, reflection, I think, is a lot of it and just constantly reminding myself what my goal is and thinking about the long-term and my long-term goals and reflecting like, okay, yep. how can I problem solve for this? This is, might be, you know, a better joke someone else. How can I make this better? What did yep. I do right today? And just constantly yep. asking those questions and doing the reflection. And I think that, and also another key word that I think has really helped that you instilled in me is efficiency. I'm thinking about some of the, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but like little quirks that I have that to other people look very bizarre realizing, no, I'm doing that because it's actually more efficient for me, even if it's bizarre to someone else. And that actually turned some of my negative thoughts about certain behaviors into more of a positive, just changing that one word, using that yeah, one so word. Yeah, so everybody, I just uh, I can't I can't spend the time really to explain it. Once you understand, it's, it's really pretty simple. But when I'm working with people on procrastination, I find there's every everything you procrastinate on, there's always a legitimate reason for it. The issue is you have to understand and identify what the legitimate reason is, and then you can manage it with the intent. But the absence of that legitimate reason, you just beat yourself up emotionally. And by helping people witness that they're doing, they're procrastinating legitimately, and you go, well, wait a second, I, you know, there's, there's a reason from this, and it really makes a lot of sense. Now I can manage it with more intention to be more efficient. It really kind of empowers you to go forward because it's not a character issue. It's not a soul issue. It's not a value issue. It's just... And it's just the fundamentals of really understanding what it is. So um need to pull this thing together. At the end of the day, uh, really wanted to kind of highlight on understanding the why of ADHD. And why is just not impulsivity. It's the fact it's a self-regulation issue with a working memory deficit. And the notion of problem-solving your way to solutions as opposed to waiting for somebody to tell you what to do. Any thoughts that you'd like to share on your experience before we wrap this up? Um. Uh, I can't think there's anything I haven't said <laughs> without repeating myself. Um, I think you pretty much covered it. Um, I think, yeah, just thinking in terms of just problem solving and, um, you know, I just lost my chance so, thought. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's the thing. The one thing I'll tell everybody is, 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 is disorganized as you think you are as much as you don't think that you have a time management strategy, to think that you're not motivated or all farces, you'd be dead if you weren't motivated. You, if you didn't have some time management strategy, you'd be all over the place. I realize you might not feel like it, but it's the point in time that you stop and say, how do I get places on time that I do? And how do I remember things? Because there is some sense of organization. And if you can begin to go to that and then sit there and say, how does self-regulation and working memory play into this and start to problem solve from there, not project on what you think you should do or what you think you should be, but kind of start with where you are, I think that you might find it to be far more successful in the end because I know um, a lot of things that we have, we know some of them are going to be a little bit of work in progress, but a lot of them are going to stick because fundamentally they map to your brain. Make sense? Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, hey, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. All right. All right. Everyone, our secret word tonight is right. It's R-I-G-H-T. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Catch us next week. Take care.